Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mediocre Medic Podcast. As always, I'm Kobe, joined here with Jeremy, and we have a very special guest joining us today. Her name is Sarah. Hello. Hello, Hello Sarah. How are Hi. you? Hi. Good. So tell us a little bit about yourself, just to kind of you know, get the audience acclimated. Well, so I had a friend one time that told me I was window looking special, so I mean, that's a good way to start that one. I am a very special guest. Um, so I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse now. This is my 10th year. Um, July would have been my 10th year. I started out actually in the world of psychology. I have a degree in psychology. Worked at a couple placements, got burnout. Um, started at the hospital as an aide because I always like to start at the bottom, work my way up, you know, just to get the skills in. And then I got my nursing degree, worked on telemetry slash it was actually a step down at the time um, for about two years. And then I went to the ICU for five during me being in the ICU and being a single mom with three kids, I had to pick up a part-time job. So I figured instead of doing more ICU work, I went to their ER, which was wonderful and found out I love emergency medicine and been down at ER for two years, three years, something like that. And, um, Sarah's affiliation with Media for Medics, if people don't know this, she runs our, um, group page, <laughs> Media <Right>. for Med- Members. <laughs> yeah. Kind of run. So that's how I run that page is I just get really drunk and then start posting stuff. And that's why it's only every like sporadically once in a while. I just wait until I'm really drunk and I'm like, hey guys, yeah. hi. That's the best way to do it. And it actually, it was funny is that up until like, I don't know how long Mediocre Members has been a thing, but up until like last week, I wasn't even a member of it. I didn't even know, I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, 50% of the founding members of Mediocre Medics wasn't even a member of our own group. Yeah, page. I kind of just like, my girlfriend asked, because my girlfriend is in it, and she asked me if I saw a meme that you'd posted, Sarah, I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she was like looking like, you're not even a member of this. So she had to invite me and I just kind of stumbled. And I'm like, oh, look at this. There's this whole thing here that uh, was underneath our umbrella that I had no idea about. Yeah, because I don't think we even really knew you when we started Mediac or Medics. No, you know? no, no, no. You had been in a couple videos. Um, actually, one of one okay. very, very popular one was the I'm a nurse video. Right. Yeah, yeah, that video is, is done very well. Yes, and actually that's probably that easily in the top, I'd say, five for most views. I don't know what it is. I haven't really looked at it. That's because you hit me with a stick. I mean, who doesn't want to I know. <laughs> just like the whole thing was perfect. Like, the, you know, vehicle accident, patient, you roll in like blaring the horn with your four ways on, just screaming, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse. I know what to do. I think he even has your hands up. <laughs> yeah. And then you're asking, like, then you tried to take over the scene and you're asking oh, these ridiculous questions over. like, like, do you have any skin conditions or right. something like well, skin, that? Well, skin integrity is very important. Right, right, yes, <laughs> yes. Just remember, you heard it here, folks. Skin integrity over ABCs. Absolutely. On everyone. On everyone. <laughs> hey, those deep tissue injuries, man, those can get bad. Really, really bad. You're right, you're right. And if the heart's not pumping, but you, you got to make sure those skin uh, uh, injuries are plugged up because once the heart starts beating again, it's going to bleed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, our topics for today. What do we want to discuss? What do we want to loosely be talking about? <laughs> well, we have a little bit of everything to talk about. So, <clears throat> I guess at first we'll just talk to you about what's life in the ER like on the other side of that. Of course, you know, EMS, we see it a little bit. We drop somebody off and then we're out the door again. But you're on the other side of the fence. So, what do right. you see? So, I recently found out I have control issues. And I think a lot of what the ER is, I like being able to control the chaos and like fixing stuff. Like that's what I do. I like to fix things. So like 
in the ICU, I could definitely, like, we're not a real ICU anymore, but like, I could definitely fix stuff. Like I could, you know, run the drips, right. You know, make sure they're turned and everything, like everything was fixed. Well, we did bypass. It was, it just got bad. So going down to the ER, like not knowing what coming, what's coming in was a big thing for me, but being able to control the chaos and fix things. That's why I like it. Some people are like, Oh, you're like the adrenaline rush. I'm like, no, no, really. I don't, I don't like it when people crash. Um, like for example, I had a patient, young guy, looked horrible, could tell he was not perfusing. And, um, I mean, he just stood up to pee and had a little seizure and died. So, I mean, I don't like that stuff, but being able to help people and getting stuff fixed is what I like. And what I like about you guys is you package them up, bring them in. So they're kind of good. Well, that, what about whenever we bring you a shit show that's just like, depends on who's bringing in the shit show because like, so the one that I, I have in mind right now, which likes to run in everything in BLS anyways, which drives me absolutely insane. So, like, I know the one day he called in on Medic Command. Let, let's call him Joe. Okay, so Joe. What if that's his real name? <laughs> it, it could be his real name. So, okay, we'll go with Joe and we'll do Dr. Bob. Okay. So, okay, so Joe called in on Medic Command and Dr. Bob's, like, you know, talking to him and we're like, I'm not really paying attention. I was charged. I was, like, half listening. So, Dr. Bob, as soon as he gets off the phone, turns around, says to Dr. George, he's like, so, can you explain to me why the medic would want to downgrade a GI bleed? And <laughs> Dr. George turns around, he's like, you didn't do it, did you? You're, you're totally liable for this stuff now. And, like, so that medic called in and, like, got a GI bleed downgraded the BLS. Yeah. Exactly. Why? <laughs> I can't see you right so, now, but, like, that's a very dumbfounded <laughs> look that is being given. Well, and the people, I mean, you know your protocols, and the people listening to this realize, like, that should have been, like, line. I don't care if you do labs. Like, I prefer labs, but line, at least the line fluid, like, bring the guy in. So I figured it out, though. It was the one ambulance company that was bringing him in. It wasn't his main ambulance company, and he didn't want to ride in on it. So he downgraded the BLS, so you had to... I don't know for that ambulance company if it would be two MTs or just first responders or I don't know all that lingo, but like he didn't want to ride in basically is what it was. So it was just... Oh, it was a good GI bleed too. Like it was definitely like, uh, it's a GI bleed. But he didn't belong to that service. Right. So he was an ALS assisting that service and right. just didn't want to ride in. And called Medic Command and unfortunately got Dr. Bob who does a lot of stupid stuff and he was like, yeah, sure, you're fine. And then turns around and he's like, now explain to me. Why would he want to downgrade that? <laughs> Shouldn't you have asked that while you were still on the phone with him before you gave him an answer? Yeah. Like, I don't know why you would do that, but go ahead and do that. You know, but on the other hand of that, we do have our providers, or EMS providers, that go overboard and do things that although in protocol just shouldn't have done you know either fly people out that shouldn't be flown out or you know give a large amount of you know maybe versed for a seizure that is a pseudo seizure so i mean you know there's the whole like spectrum there right but um just to bring it up for debate i would like to challenge the idea that there's good providers that work with extremely short time frames mm -hmm. and limited information. Mm -hmm. So by the time the whole story comes out at the ER, it might be that the medic looked like a dumbass, but what they knew at the time was all they had to work with. Because that does happen. So I would say for that, like I have a couple medics that I absolutely love and they'll, but they'll take it to the point where it's still not crazy. 
Like, they will tell me they ran it in as a stroke because of this. And you can tell it was Bell's palsy. Like, it wasn't an actual stroke. But they'll say, I ran it in a stroke because of this. And I'll tell them, like, it's okay, hon. Like, you're fine. Like, you did the right thing. Don't worry about it. I erred on the side of caution. Exactly. Because I don't have a scanner in my pocket. Right. Yes, we learned the difference, but I'm just being cautious. Right. Yeah. But then there's people that, like... I'm trying to think of a good example without giving away too many details. Where, like, you know, say it's something that should be a simple, you can write it in, ER can take care of it. Versus, like, the next thing that person dealt with and brought in was something that totally should have been flown from the scene. Like, it was a huge semi. I mean, it wasn't on the EKG yet, but, like, the guy had just had... Um, a triple bypass, he was wearing a life vest, it was going off, like, all this stuff. It, that should just, and like, like, these are warning that. signs that, like... And you is... you work at a non-cardiac-capable facility. Right. So, yeah, our facility, like, you know, it's your typical rural facility, which, I mean, that's where, like, some things, like, I get irritated with, with people, you know, because, like, Collins, like, you, whether you give me a report or not, I'm getting that patient. Like, I can't just say on the call-in, like, you have to go somewhere else. Because you're not calling in medic command, it's not a doctor making the decision. So honestly, call-ins, I don't listen half the time. It's nice to hear, like, age and why they're coming in. But other than that, like, they're coming in whether I like it or not. Yeah, uh, I actually told Kobe a story earlier. Very early on in my career, I worked in a major city. And I was standing in the ER. And I, uh, somebody, another ambulance service, came across the radio. Mm-hmm. And I saw the nurse walk up to the radio. She answered the radio. The medic started giving a report. As soon as that nurse heard the chief complaint, she hung up the radio and walked away. Yeah. And I was like this young new EMT, and I was like, okay, so that's how it works here, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, though, that is somehow time how. If, like, so we have a certain rating system if we have so many people versus their acuity, like, we're at this certain level. So, honestly, if it's false, the wall's busy. And you're saying you're bringing the chest pain in, and I recognize who's bringing it in. If they say chest pain, ALS, that's all I need to listen to because I know I trust that they're bringing in something that they know we can handle. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, I also agree with it because um, you don't need to do your entire bedside report over the radio. No. Well, here's the thing, though, with that, that I learned working at a different ER, the the medic command doctor there, like, will drill those guys until they give, like, everything this guy did until kindergarten. Like, he wants that much detail. Over the radio. Over the radio. That's insane. Yes. It is. It but really what's is. What's the point of a face-to-face transfer of care, then, if you right. already told your story? Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I've been with uh, other providers, medics, especially whenever I was an EMT, that would literally tell so much over the radio that the mic would actually key out. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. time out. <laughs> and I'm like, and then they would pick it up and keep going with it. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, like... Jesus. I, yeah, I know two services in particular that will do that, and, like, we totally quit listening whenever we realize it's those services coming in, because all I want is age, cheap complaint, and whether or not they're stable. I mean, the important stuff. Like, do they have to go to one of the major rooms, or can they go to one of the other rooms? Can they go to Fast Track? And that's what I was taught. I was taught 30 seconds or less yes. on a radio report. Like, what do you have? And me, as a nurse in New York, what do I need to do for this patient? So, are you bringing me a trauma? Are you bringing me a chest pain? Are they stable right now, or are they unstable? Right. And that's, I mean... Give me key pointers. Okay, so, actually, thinking on that, so you have to see it from the nurse's standpoint, because, like, I would say 95% of the time, it's a charge nurse taking report. So, not only am I listening to your report, I'm also trying to keep 
at least two to three providers in line plus you know three to four nurses and whatever else is in the ER. So you're telling me a whole bunch of stuff I don't need to know. You just need to tell me whether or not they're stable. And luckily I have I feel I have a good enough relationship with the community with the with the, the ambulance service in our community that um if I hear the voice I know what they're gonna tell me. Yeah. And I know like I can trust what they tell me. Yeah. And like on the other end of that, so like say you know, you obviously you hear somebody on the radio and you're like, okay, I know this is, I trust them, I know they're good, I'm okay. What's your thought process whenever it's somebody on the other end of that where you're like, oh, Jesus, you know? Or like, well, that's pretty much what I think. I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Because um, Joe, if he's bringing someone in and he's actually, like, giving report, I'm like, oh, my fucking God. If he's actually writing it in, this is going to be bad. And um, then, like, I can't believe most of what he says. The other part of that would be late calls are absolutely horrible. <laughs> and I know you guys are tired after your 24 hours or whatever shift you worked, but late calls, holy shit, the last late call I had, it was two good people that brought this patient in, but like, yeah, that like, you know, real close to being tubed, but they were tired and they just wanted to drop it off and run. So, I mean, it's one of those things too, where like, I totally get it. You're tired, but please don't do that to me. I never even thought of that aspect of it, but actually hearing you say that makes sense because like even, even as me, I've, I've noticed like a, a, a slip almost personally sometimes mm-hmm. if like there's a call in the middle of the night, like, cause you just feel like a little bit like, especially if like you've been busy all day or you've been up or whatnot in like, you know, you're, you're sleep deprived and like, you're kind of in this fog almost in like, you know, you're still doing stuff, but either you're a, you know, a couple seconds behind where you normally would be. Like you're not all the way up, you know, in your gear, so to speak. And like, you know, I actually just had that last night, mm-hmm. you know, cause like I've been up since four thirty in the morning worked, you know, had a r- relatively steady day, had a call at like one thirty in the morning and like things were happening. Like, you know, everything got accomplished, but like, it just seems like it seemed like it wasn't, Right. Like that, you know, it was just, you you know, and and I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even when we train people, you know, new ENTs, let's say, we we tell them, I was like, you're going to get that call that for some reason, everything goes wrong. Yeah. And the harder you try, the worse it gets. And then you show up to the ER looking like an asshole, not having the answers to the right questions, and just being completely disorganized, even though you tried so hard. You know, and then there's days that, like, you're only half-ass trying, but everything goes perfect. Yeah. Everything is right. You look like a god. And, you know, it's like, it's just for some reason and goes that way. And that's where I feel bad because I know we have nurses that will run you through the ringer because they're a nurse and they have more education and blah, blah, blah. Well, we don't do what you guys do. You package it up and bring it to us. So, like, I can tell if most of the people are having bad days. They're having bad days. Like... As long as you do your best, what's for you and the patient, I'm good with it. I, and, and that's not like a general consensus thing, though. Yeah, and we have, and I already mentioned this, but like we have such a small window. You know, like we don't have time. And the communication sucks. You know, we show up to grandma's house <laughs> and we're talking to the aunt over the phone, or like the pills were supposed to be over here, but they're not. Or they tell us one thing and tell you another thing. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I hate that. Yes. Especially the patients. Like, you know. Are you having any chest pain? No, no. no. We get them in the ER bed. My chest just feels like there's an elephant sitting on it. <laughs> oh. You bitch! Yeah. You made me look like an idiot. 
like, that's usually within about five minutes, like right after I give the radio, or not sorry, right after, right before I give the radio report, I'll ask again, like, how are you feeling? Anything new going on? Anything different? And then 99% of the time, no, I feel okay, or about the same, you know, give the report, roll in, and then all of a sudden get them moved over, just get finished giving the report, and then like the nurse or whoever else will have the patient starts to do their assessment and then they just drop something completely different or like completely new that I had not heard. Like I just had that the other day too. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? Because now I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, see, you have to remember though, like the patients do that to us and the doctors. Like I, they, I was actually, the guy didn't finish his whole sentence, but I was trying to explain to him very nicely. He was very uh, rich and snotty, but I was trying to explain to him very nicely. Like I can't make that decision. He, all I heard was, well, you're just an overpaid. And then he chose wisely to shut his mouth because it was going to go downhill real quick from there. But, you know, that's their thing, too. Like, nurses are just overpaid butt wipers. So, I mean, you know. But we don't get to see that. No. You you know, and, like, I I know it happens. I know that, like, you know, patients will treat you like shit and only talk to the doctor Mm because he's a doctor. Yes. You know, and he has a cape and it blows in the wind. (laughs) But, like, from our point of view, you know, we're on the we're on the lower end of you, you know, where it's like, we're just the dumbass ambulance drivers. Right. And then like, you know, now that they're in a hospital, it's like, Oh, we're in the hospital. You know, like okay. I've had, I've had for real, I've had patients go, Oh, you're riding back here with me too. I'm like, yeah. And we're going to do a bunch of stuff. Oh, that makes me That is a like, true story. Right, so this is my biggest, biggest fucking pet peeve ever is people that bring in stuff by private vehicle that should not come in by private vehicle. And their thing, like, recently was, so it was more of a rural area. The ambulance service is, you know, not as advanced, although they just got their trauma or something. But, you know, that was their thing. Well, we drove in because we could get here faster than the ambulance service. And I just looked at him like, well, you know, if it was something that could be flown out, they would totally fly, like fucking fly you from the scene. Like, you didn't have to come here and do this. Like, how many car rescues I've had to do. Um, so we had the one car rescue where they brought in by private vehicle. It was a girl that jumped headfirst into a pool the night before. She actually broke most of her neck. But, like, I had to rescue that from the car. I'm not trained. Like, I can do it, but, like, that's not my everyday thing. That's not my psychomotor scale is to put people on backboard. On and a side note, just real quick, I think it's kind of, Amusing that you guys call it car rescue. Yeah, it is. A car that, that's just funny. Um, you and I were standing at an ER. Yes. You were still a paramedic student, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Go ahead and tell that. All right. So we were in an ER and ambulance entrance. We just dropped the patient off. We were getting our stretcher put back together, getting our truck put back together. All of a sudden, this car pulled up right beside, <clears throat> excuse me, where the ambulance entrance was, mm-hmm. and you saw it. Uh, it has to, had to have been six nurses, seven nurses come running out with a with a hospital bed, okay. and there was a, a guy that was unconscious in the passenger seat. Seven nurses got this guy out of the ambulance, or excuse me, out of the car, put him on the hospital bed, and like just took off with him in the ambulance. And the whole time, I mean, looking back, kind of an asshole thing to do, but I thought it was funny. Is uh, the whole time that that's going on. Jeremy and I are in the background watching, and like I'm verbally saying out loud, two, we do that with two, there's only two of us, we do that with two people, just what, two. Like uh, ACLS, cardiac arrest. You watch a cardiac arrest in the hospital. There is an army of people around this patient running an arrest. And like as a paramedic, you stand there in awe watching, because I'm like, 
I've ran, I've ran arrests, legit, an entire code with only two people. Mm-hmm. And we got everything done. Yeah. You yeah. know? And yeah, it's yeah, like, like, and meanwhile, we're just the ambulance driver, right, you know? And yeah. it's like, I have done all of that. <laughs> yeah, like, in, 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 at one time. At know? one time. Yeah. I saw a meme on Facebook, actually. It was a picture. It looked like they were working somebody in an ER. And it was a, in an EMS group. And it was like, wow, I couldn't imagine doing CPR with, or doing, doing an arrest with that much help or something <laughs> like that. It's like, yeah, like, that's just ridiculous to, to us. And it's like two different worlds. But I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit, Sarah, because you had mentioned earlier about how some nurses are like, oh, I'm a nurse, and they're just a, an ambulance driver or whatnot, uh, or like, oh, I'm a nurse, so I'm higher than them, or, you know, they're, they're shit. Um, is there a lot of that in the ER and the environment that you work with or that you work in, and why do you think that is? So there is. I don't pay attention to it, though, because I, I do what I do. Um, You're also, what, 10 years in? I am, but I I just have that personality where you're not going to fucking tell me what to do if I don't think you're good enough to supervise me. So, like, right. even the charge nurse of the day, if they think they can, like, tell me what to do, it's not going to go well for them. Um, and are the nurses or the, not, I, I don't want to just single out nurses, but are the hospital staff members that are typically in that mindset, are they generally newer? Are they older? Are they, like... I think there's a lot of confidence issues with some of the nurses because there's nurses, I think, that are absolutely fucking fabulous. But then, like, watching them make decisions and not standing up for themselves and not telling the doctor to go fuck off whenever they're doing something stupid, like, kind of drives me nuts. Like, they're trying to be polite and play both sides. But, I mean, that's where you need a certain level of, this is my scope of practice. This is what I'm allowed to do. So, um... I think there is a lot of people like that pecking order, though, because then it gives them something to they can delegate to and then someone they can blame. Because if they fuck up, they can be like, well, this is who was supposed to be supervising me, so I'm going to blame them. Where more than likely, if I fuck up, I'm back in my supervisor's office first thing in the morning or sending an email saying, hey, I fucked up. This is what's going to come across your desk. So I'm more likely to tell myself, too. Mm-hmm. So that's respectable. I, I mean, to take to stand up and take take the hey i messed up on something but i think a lot of it is like a lot of the nurses don't want to take the blame they either or they have issues where like you know small dick energy where they're like well i need to feel bigger than this person i mean that's the thing like don't get into a pissing contest with me because i'll fucking win Mm -hmm. and then like what's that do for the patient you know if providers are just arguing amongst each other or trying to have a for better use of the word, stick measuring contest. Yeah, because you like know, all around while this is going oh, on. Oh, yeah, like don't do that. Because you're saying, shut the hell up. I'm gonna do what I think is in the best interest of my patient. Always. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and it should be that way. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're all in agreement of that. Well, so that would be like okay. We got the I got this patient over in fast track, or we put it over in fast track, or something. And I don't know who this guy was. I don't know if he was a medic or an EMT or what he was, but from, it was it's not an ambulance service we normally work with. So first off, he's being a dick to his partner, which I'm like, well, hey, that's like the person you're stuck with with so many hours of the day. And then so then he said something snotty to me. So, of course, that clicks my bitch switch. And I'm just like, all right, you're going to get it right back. And then he started going on about the paperwork and how it was illegal for our um, our uh, registration people to take it. And they can't have that. And he was just going on and on about how we lost it last time. And then finally, I'm like, hey, buddy, listen, I'm going to go around the corner where it is about 50 fucking feet away, and I'll make sure it won't go anywhere. And then his partner came up to me and was like, oh, he's just having a day. And I'm like, well, I'm not putting up with this shit. Like, you know, he totally did that in front of the patient. Like, he's being a dick. He can't do that. And it was a medic. I don't know if it was medic or EMT. I'm not sure how that 
But still, they were dropping a patient off they in the emergency room. They were dropping a patient off. And, like, I don't... Like, so he couldn't take, what, five minutes, be professional, hand you the patient, right. do his thing, sign my papers, and leave. Well, see, and I don't think he was even the one that was giving me a report. I think it was his partner. So, like, I... So, he, well, why, why do you care? I don't yeah. know. But I'll tell you what. Like, he started being a dick to me, so I was being one back. And so, I was like... All he had to do is physically move the patient, smile... And take his cot and go yeah, make right. it. <laughs> but it turned into something where he said our registration lost their paperwork before and how illegal that was. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know whatever the hell you're talking about. I've been doing this for at least five years now. Like, what do you mean it's illegal for our to take for us to take your paperwork? Like, that's how like continuity care works. Yeah, like, we take it and put it in the computer, and then we spit out all the bands and stuff, and then we give your paperwork back. Yeah, and like, no offense or anything, but like the trip sheets, like, how often do you guys like lose those or actually write stuff on them? Mine is a slop sheet. Yeah. Because in, I believe, we get this whole other topic, but <laughs> my trip sheet is electronic. Right. That is what is going to go to the courts. Exactly. That stupid-ass piece of paper through the state that I live in, might as well wipe your ass with it. Right. You know, because if you get subpoenaed, it's coming, you're getting the electronic records that right. I make after the call. Right. There's yeah. a lot of debate on that. We could talk about that yeah, for hours. Yeah. Yeah. But we are at the 25-minute mark. So... I think we ought to do kind of a, a hard end on this, and I think we ought to do a uh, part two. Sure. Okay. Everybody's game for that. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I think Kobe has something he wants to add. If you made it this far, well, you deserve a, a present, but you're not going to get it from us. Deserve so. Cookie. Yeah, you deserve a cookie or a t-shirt or something. Maybe, maybe Sarah will oh, make something nice. No, 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 no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. I give good hugs, though. Like, I'm a hug whore. Like, always hug me, and I'll do better. So if you see Sarah at the local ER, make sure you give her a hug, but do not tell her who you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you guys stick around for part two.